Hello and welcome to the Saturday Down South podcast. It is Tuesday, April 17th. Well, at least it is when we're recording this. I'm Conor O'Gara. He is Chris Marler. Chris, we got a full slate of spring games to talk about, a full slate of spring games to look ahead to. Before we do that, though, got to talk about this big-time news that came out of Alabama. I guess Alabama. AL.com reported it, so it's technically out of Alabama. That's Alabama. Yeah. (laughs) Everything Alabama. Right. AL.com reported that SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey apparently shot down the hiring of Hugh Freeze. Blocked it. Yeah, knocked it. Didn't shoot it down. Just blocked it. Just just blocked it. Basically said that 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 wouldn't be uh, in your best interest to do something like that. Surprising to hear a commissioner do that. Apparently, Hugh Freeze was going to wanted coordinator jobs and was in position to get coordinator jobs at places like Alabama, Mizzou, and LSU. And Greg Sankey's like, you know what? That's probably not the best idea. So, when if when this first happened, I was I I I had zero doubts in my mind that that Hugh Freeze was going to be the head the offensive coordinator at Alabama. They're just like in the offseason, I was like, there's just no there's no way he's not the offensive coordinator. What, exactly. Like what would prevent that from happening? Right. And and like it's not like we're necessarily, I don't know, uh having morality as the top thing on that resume when for the offensive coordinators. We've had Kiffin, we've had Sarkeesian. So I <laughs> I don't know. I was kind of surprised. I was really surprised though, at first, when I saw that the commissioner of the SEC Kind of pulls a Goodell and just steps in and is like, no, I'm in charge here. What I say goes. But I think it was the right move. It was a Bama fan. It definitely was. I mean, I wrote three months ago that, oh, yeah, shameless plug. We're going to get it out of the way within the first three (laughs) minutes. You knew it was going to happen. I wrote three months ago that I thought it would have been a joke if Hugh Freeze got an SEC job for 2018 because Ole Miss was put on probation, can't go to a postseason game in 2018 again as part of the NCAA punishment that they had for, oh, by the way, Hugh Freeze. So what kind of image would that have painted if Hugh Freeze is on the Alabama sideline, potentially leading, helping Alabama get to an SEC championship, a national oh, God, title. That would have been awesome. And meanwhile, Ole Miss is on the other sideline, like, yeah, we're just we're, we're playing here for the regular season. Like, that, that's a bad precedent to set. And I mean, to be fair, I don't know how much worse it could have gotten. I mean, Bama put up sixty three on Ole Miss last year, right? And so I don't know how much he doesn't strike me as the kind of guy that would be like vengeful in like we're going we're going to like put the foot on the gas, make it hurt. Put some salt in the wound, but either way, it would have been it would have been so put, just I'm going to use this word pathetic to watch from a governed body governing body like the NCAA or the SEC to allow that to happen. Exactly, it's at, a, at a, a divisional rival, a state away, and it's just oh my gosh, I'm, I'm glad it didn't happen. Yeah, it, in the long run, it's it's a really nice move by Greg Sankey, in my opinion, and yeah. one where. If you're the commissioner, you have the right to be able to do some of these things. I mean, the NCAA bylaws, I can't remember the exact wording of it, but the commissioner has the power to be able to withhold these coaching positions if, you know, they don't yeah. if it's a guy who's committed an NCAA violation that has resulted in, you know, major violations, all that stuff. And I'm kind of surprised that we don't see this more often. Now, we usually see this maybe with as it relates to head coaches. It's right. very different when we're talking about a potential offensive coordinator, which is what you would expect Hugh Freeze to be at a place like LSU or Mizzou yeah. or Alabama, these places that needed something like that. And Hugh Freeze is a guy that, as everybody knows, and I bet it's at the top of his resume, he beat Alabama twice. Ugh, two years in a row. You know how many times in the history of their program they beat Alabama twice? I'm going to guess not very many. One. Yeah. That's a, <laughs> Those that's two years. A big number. And, and so that being, that being said – also, Bama had five turnovers in that game. We're not going to get into it. We're not going to get into it. But I'm still, yeah, I'm, I'm still not over it. You know, the thing is, I, I, I do think it's a great move. And I, I would like to see, and I hate to say this, I'm probably going to regret it at some point, but it would be better for the league to have a little more parity and not just keep, like, you know, it's, Bama always, they talk about this with, like, with Bama, and they're starting to talk about it with Georgia and, like, those top programs. Like, they don't recruit, they reload. You know what I mean? Like, like the cover's not ever bare there. They just, they just plug and play, you know, these four- and five-star recruits. They kind of do the same thing with coaching. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, and it would be nice, you know. Like, I just think they made. I think they made the right decision. I will say that. In that being said, 2019, if Bama doesn't win the national championship this year, can't wait to see Hugh Freeze come on down to Tuscaloosa, and he'll probably be the offensive coordinator. Just throwing that out there. By then, though, we're going to have to have an unlikable person at quarterback because they've never had. He's never had success with like a a quarterback that's like a likable guy, in my opinion. Swag Kelly, Bo Bo Wallace, like 
Why hate on, sw- some- on swag? Don't hate on swag. I, lo- I love him to death. I'm sure if, if he was quarterback for my team, I would love him. But rival teams did not like him. So I guess if he comes to Tuscaloosa, we're going to take away his cell phone. We're going to have to have some kind of a-hole play quarterback. And then that's that's the blueprint right there. 2019, Hugh Freeze coming back to the SEC. You heard it, for, <laughs> you heard it here first from Mr. Chris Marler. I wouldn't be surprised to see that considering how much interest he had, considering how many people were willing to yeah. at least extend an offer that – Greg Sankey actually had to come in and say, no, we, we can't have this happening. Yeah. So all around, not a bad move by by the commissioner. And actual football news, well, I don't know if freaking football is actual football news, but it is football nonetheless. It's something. Of. It's something. They're playing football on a field and they're We don't have the Masters anymore. Exactly. What do by we By the have? way, can we discuss one thing real quick? And I know this is off topic, but did you see Patrick Reed wearing his green jacket? Oh, at he's the wearing Houston it Rockets? Everywhere. 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 <laughs> My favorite tweet of the week was somebody wrote that feeling when you have to wear this green jacket so somebody or so the, it's the only way people know who you are. Yeah, you wore it everywhere. Over or under showers he's taken since the Masters. I'm going to set it at 0.5. I, I I would say easily under. Yeah. Easily under. No chance oh. that he he probably sleeps with that thing too. There's yeah, no doubt in my mind. Yeah. <laughs> spring football transitioning from golf to spring football. We had four spring football games this past weekend: Kentucky, Mizzou, Florida, Texas A&M. I think all of their offenses are a bit of a work in progress. If we want to look at like an overarching nice theme to to bring to the <laughs> table here. But very different situations, of course. Uh, Kentucky played on Friday night, and you get to see a little bit of a look at the quarterback battle. Of course, not really any clarity in that whatsoever. No. Mark Stoops, <laughs> Mark Stoops is basically like, yeah, it's still a 50-50 battle between Terry Wilson, of course, the JUCO transfer, and uh, Gunnar Hoke uh, to replace Steven Johnson. And that I think that was disappointing for a lot of SEC fans, because I think most SEC fans were on the edge of their seat to figure out who was going to win the quarterback battle at Kentucky. I'm just like... Every year, tale as old as time. You know what I mean? I just I figured a tradition like really any other. Some a tradition unlike any other. I mean, they've always got two stud quarterbacks: Jared Lorenzen, Tim Couch. We love the hefty lefty here on the STS podcast. <laughs> we are big fans of. Just the let him come back and play quarterback. Oh man, who can, that would? This, I need to be commissioner and make over the rules. No, I, I was. I will say. I didn't watch the Kentucky game because it was Friday night. I was at Olive Garden, Sick date night, having a lovely, lovely dinner. I've grown very fond of that place. Yeah, no, overrated. I, I was kidding. I've not gone to an Olive Garden since I was seven, Connor. Good. I'm an adult. No, so uh, we. I did watch the Mizzou spring game. So and were, yeah, so the Mizzou spring game, a little bit of a different feel in terms of like expectations and. Drew Locke kind of felt like he kind of gets it. Like he's he's the man now. He I mean, is the man. That whole spring game was about him. I mean, that yeah. you know, the broadcast was was sort of lit, was sort of catered to him and what he's going to be able to do in Derek Dooley's offense. So we talked about that last Seems week. Seems like he has he has that that offense on on lock, as they say. Oh, that's, oh! you are do, probably do you the first it? person to say that. Damn it! On fire already. Here we go. Yeah, lockdown. Um, <laughs> there's some lockdown defense in the early stages of uh, of of what they were trying to do offensively. I thought Drew Locke looked okay. I mean, I, as I said before, I think it's still a work in progress. He said that he said after the game that they were going to basically come out in basic packages. He said the defense yeah. actually wasn't that basic, and they did some things that they didn't expect. It's a spring game. What are you going to do? Right. I mean, like, and they open up, I'm assuming, this year with Southeastern Missouri State like they always do. So you don't want to give away too much early and give away anything on film. That's a good point. I, that, that being said, all jokes aside, I liked what I saw from Drew Locke again. And he, and I think, he, like, even more so than last year. A lot uh, Last year, I felt like a lot. I mean, yeah, we know the 40 touchdowns. He he was he has a big arm. Huge. I, I think he, <laughs> huge arm. Huge. I think he, I think he is going to be a good pro prospect. But – I mean, he throws the ball downfield well. Like he, I mean, he throws the ball downfield really, really well. I was very impressed to see him fit some balls in some tight windows, like especially in the, like in the red zone. Did you see him throw the ball downfield to a few fans? Oh my god! Oh my god! That was I, so. Mizzou was basically having like walk-on tryouts because though they lose Emmanuel Hall. By the way, did we? Did you see that story? So Emmanuel Hall, like collide leading returning receiver for Mizzou. Apparently, he collided into Drew Locke in practice on Thursday yeah. before the scrimmage, and he wasn't going to be able to play in this in the spring game because of this injury. Why is your wide receiver colliding into your quarterback? Like, how does that happen? I have no so idea. Stop running jet sweeps. It's the last time I'm going to oh, say it. You know what? Maybe that was it. 
Good God, Kiffin. See his, his footprints still all over this all over this conference, and not for a lot of good reasons either. Oh, Talking to you, Joy Freshwater. LSU loved the jet sweep last year. They were all over oh, that. Yeah, with Russell God. Gage, that was that was their jam. Yeah, so Mizzou was basically having these like walk on tryouts essentially, where Drew Locke just gets to sit there and throw like a, a pass to the end zone to you know fans who come out on the field. Some looked good, some did not. I don't Everyone know. looked like Steve Spurrier, but in, in like khaki yeah. shorts and mid-calf socks and a Patagonia hat. How would Good you have God. looked out there? How would you have looked I running no, 40 I'm, yards and catching a pass? First off, I'm still in decent shape, and uh, I, have, I have phenomenal hands. No, face-wise, yeah. Well, you only see me on FaceTime. Trust me. No, 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 no. <laughs> Let's back up. We saw the full Jim Harbaugh get-up that you had. That was the best I've bat. looked in months, Connor. Oh, man. Yeah. I stand by what I said. That's fair. I mean, I, <laughs> first off. If you want to challenge me to a combine, Connor, we can have an SDS combine, and mm-hmm. we're going to make this happen. Media Days 20, 2018, it's the war on the shore, me versus you. I mean, I don't tweet out my CrossFit results like some human beings on this <laughs> earth, <laughs> but I can cool. handle myself. We'll, we'll just say that. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, I, either way. No, I, I think I would have caught I think I would have caught a pass. Then again, I do get in my own head a lot and start like, panicking, so I, I probably would have overthought it. That's but true. no, it's, every single kid they had on there looked like Steve Spurrier. Yeah, I mean, the, the, speed, the Steve Spurrier drop pass in the South Carolina spring game, which was pretty rough. We love the head And some coach, of their players, but. though. Like, in the, especially, in the, I, I was still watching in the fourth quarter, and in Locke was out of the game, whoever their backup quarterback was, he hit several kids in strike. In the hands, several. Yeah. Mizzou's gonna. Mizzou might have some issues at receiver. I mean, I, we, we say the, jo- the walk-on thing is a joke, but, like, eh, I don't know if you're the Emmanuel Hall injury. If they're, if they're facing depth issues, you know, you lose Jermon Moore. That, that that might not be a, a given thing that they have all the, the weapons in place on the outside. That's going to be definitely yeah. something to watch. A different quarterback situation that had a lot of eyes on it over the weekend was, of course, in Gainesville. A lot of people showed up for that spring game. Yeah, 55,000. That's pretty, pretty good crowd for a four-win team last time I checked. It's pretty good and, and impressive when you're going yeah. to Gainesville, Florida, which is like the hottest place on earth. It always looks hot in Gainesville. That's a good point. I live south of Gainesville, and I think it's hotter in Gainesville. They made me go there last year with SDS to cover the Tennessee game, and I sweated through my jean shorts within roughly 13 minutes. And and everything I just said in that sentence is accurate. Yeah, I know it sounded weird, but that's real. Not a surprise whatsoever. The quarterback battle in Gainesville uh, was a good one. We didn't talk about it a lot last week, but I liked Kyle Trask a lot and the opportunity that he had potentially to yeah. win the starting job. And I still stand by that after what we saw from him in the spring game. Looked better throwing the ball. Felipe Franks looked better running the ball. He, of course, had the 60-yard touchdown run. I say that with air quotes because he was down like 20 or 30 yards earlier. And then he did a little dunk behind on the on the goalpost. That was kind of cool. Yeah. Felipe Franks moved a little bit better than I think people expect. I think people kind of make fun of his speed because he's just not a natural-looking runner. He's got these no. big, like, long, galloping strides. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, like a Tennessee walking horse. Oh man! <laughs> his, anytime they refer to him running, I hope they bring up his gait. That's all I'm gonna say. Oh boy, I give I give guys like him and Kyle Trask tr- credit for wanting to play in this offense and realizing yeah. that there is a prime opportunity ahead with a guy like Dan Mullen if they take everything that he has to give them and really work at it because we've seen with Dan Mullen, he's pretty good with quarterbacks. So, yeah. I mean, I, I thought, though, that Kyle Trask looked like the better option for what Dan Mullen wants to do to be able to hit those quick read throws. I think he's going to be the more accurate passer. I ultimately think that he's going to end up winning this job. Everybody was looking at Emory Jones, of course, coming in, and I said coming into this game that I thought – Dan Mullen was going to take it slow with him. He is yeah. not going to rush him into that lineup because no there, are some, there are some severe ramifications if you play a true freshman before he's ready. Dan Mullen even said that he thought Felipe Franks was kind of pushed into think the starting job last year. So he didn't even think Felipe Franks was ready to start, which I don't think he really was either. No. <laughs> so I don't think, a lot of I don't think he was ready to start, but it's like, here's the thing, guys. Somebody has to play that position. Somebody has so to. You have to have – and it's, it's mind-blowing that like like – they had they had good receivers. They had good cornerbacks. They had a defensive lineman I didn't know about who apparently is going to be a top twenty pick in the NFL draft. They had good linebackers. I don't remember much from their offensive line, but they still have uh, who is it? Martez Ivy. Yeah. They have a Former decent running back. Yeah. Yeah. They have a lot of. You running know what backs. they don't have? Quarterback. A quarterback. So, so yeah, like how there's there's only so many of these quarterbacks that you have on your roster that you can bring along slowly. I'm I'm saying buy stock in in Kyle Trask now. 
Crazy thing about Kyle Trask that people have talked about in recent weeks, he didn't start in high school. <laughs> Isn't that crazy though? Like, no, it's not. It's, it's, it's not, almost like the Matt that's, Castle that's exactly, thing. That makes a lot of sense to me. Okay, to preface that though, he backed up uh, Derek Ward, who's a, the starter at Houston now. I mean, played for a prolific high school team yeah. in the state of Texas. People are going to say, well, why that's couldn't Mac- he start? McElroy did. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's, I didn't it start. Happens. I didn't start in high school. Look at me now, dude. It's going to happen to a lot more more kids as these super teams develop, and with you yeah. know, the IMG academies and places like that, where this is just going to become a thing. But there's also so many different high schools all around the country, and and I guess maybe I shouldn't have laughed. I'm sorry. I didn't know he came from a, a prolific high school. Very. And, and McElroy did that. McElroy didn't play for his first three years because he backed up quarterback that went to Mizzou. I can't remember if it was Chase Daniel or not, or if it was. But that was. Yeah, I think it was Chase Daniel. But that being said. Yeah, you should probably start. You should probably be starting in high school. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say that he was, I mean, he was a late blooming guy. And the fact that he was able to get a scholarship from a place like Florida, I mean, that, that says something about your ability. Not to go all Josh Allen here and That's say true, that he yeah. has the look, but oh I'm willing to give this guy a chance. And the limited How big words are his hands? he did have, I think they're pretty big. I think they're pretty big. <laughs> I, that's, that should have been the whole spring game, is just Felipe Franks. And and this kid holding their hands up to each other and seeing who has the has, has a bigger hand. Doesn't Felipe Franks have huge hands? He's I'm sure he does. He's like six six. Yeah, he's that's a, big that's dude. how they're gonna like. Anytime there's a quarterback battle, like it like like a a bad school, like not I don't say bad school, but like at Kentucky, their quarterback battle should just be whoever has the bigger hands. They should play a game of mercy. And that's, that's who's taking the field. I'm on board for that. Yeah. Another quarterback battle in the SEC in College Station at Texas A&M. Who's the best quarterback, or who did you think was the best quarterback on Saturday between Nick Starkle, Kellen Mond, Johnny Manziel? Johnny Manziel, hands down. Easily, right? <laughs> it's it's hands down. Johnny looked pretty good. Looked he pretty looked good. real good. Like he looks all humbled, and like he's like like he cares now. He wasn't quoting Drake lyrics. Which he now seems like he should be doing because it's you know God's plans out right now. Like look at him. Started from the bottom. Now he's <laughs> now he's started here. from the top. Then he went, went to, the, to bottom, the bottom, and, and now, now he's, he's back. Here. Yeah, now he's here again. I'll listen whole to squad. Hopefully, yeah. his whole squad is not here. <laughs> in all seriousness, no. In all seriousness, though, I think that the the quarterback battle looks even closer now. I kind of came in thinking that this was Nick Starkle's job to lose. I think after what we saw on Saturday, I think it's even closer. I think oh, Jimbo God. is going to really kind of milk this thing as long as he can because he doesn't want one of those guys to transfer and that's what you have to do in today's in today's world of college football and i'm i'm just dreading every every next word next sentence that comes out of your mouth until we get to the the main part of the a&m spring game because i saw it on saturday so the main part the stats i saw the highlights and i was like oh god so tim brewster our guy (laughs) an sds podcast favorite he had a nice little day for his tight ends. He, Texas A&M tight ends had three touchdowns. The stat that that was that kept getting thrown around, I think Matthew Bartlett of uh, of Fansided was the one who had it first. Tennessee's tight ends during the, the tight end zone. Yeah, Tennessee. Texas A&M. Wrong school. Uh, yeah. We're going to get to Tennessee in a little bit, I promise. Texas A&M's tight ends in the Kevin Sumlin era had 294 receiving yards and four touchdowns. That's in six years. So that's almost impossible to do. That's hard to do. <laughs> that's, that's like they must have just, had Florida quarterbacks playing tight end for Texas A&M, just pulling double duty. I mean, even if you only put in tight ends on goal line sets and you're running bootlegs, and that's the only time you're ever going to throw to them, I would still think you would have more production than that. Even if Air Bud was your tight end, he should still have more receiving yards than that. Plus, he's elusive in the open field. Very elusive. Yeah, so there's that. Yeah, that's a good point. Lot, lot to uh, to see at Texas A&M. Uh, the, the, the fact that you had these tight ends stepping up, I think, was the big takeaway point that Aggie fans wanted to see. Uh, Jay Sternberger, who was a transfer, he I believe he started his career off at Kansas and then went to Juco. Yeah, it has to be somewhere in the Big Ten with a name like Sternberger. You realize Kansas isn't a Big Ten school, right? I know that, but I'm just saying, is it like every, every kicker, I think, in the history of the Big Ten is named like Nurnberger? That's not true. That's, That's a lot. I'm pretty sure Ohio State's kicker last year was Nuremberger. Yeah, okay. But we'll move on from that because that was yeah. only one individual and we yeah. We don't want to start we're not a stereotyping podcast. We're a pro Tim Brewster podcast, but yes, not we a are. We love that TV. Yeah, love it. So let's look ahead to what we got on the slate this weekend. Five SEC spring games to wrap up yeah. spring football. A lot of big ones too. A lot of big ones. Uh, we got Alabama, Georgia, LSU are going to be action in action as well as Tennessee and Mississippi State. Let's start with Mississippi State because this is a team that I've talked about a decent Say amount it. in the preseason. My guy Joe Moorhead. Let the him debut. know. Connor. The debut of Mr. Joe Moorhead. 
I've been a fan of his since, since watching him rebuild Penn State into what it was. I said after Mississippi State hired him that I thought it was a tremendous hire. I think he's going to have the best first season of the new SEC coaches. Said last week that nine points, was it, or was it 8.4? 8.4 on the wins? Not enough. It was too low. Not enough. I'm, I'm saying double digits for, for the Bulldogs. I'm saying they get to 10 Starkville. Wins. Yeah, Stark Vegas. Correct. Start- <laughs> Put your bets down now. Put your party pants on, Stark Vegas. Let's bring out that cowbell. We're about to have ourselves a hell of a season. I'm excited. I, I don't know. I don't think we'll see Nick Fitzgerald. I'd be surprised if we did. That would be bad. If yeah, probably. I, I would highly doubt that he, even if he was healthy, why even put yeah. Nick Fitzgerald out there? But we will get to see Joe Moorhead. We're going to get to see the return of Bob Shoup, a guy that Tennessee fans love very much. Maybe not so much. Nope. But... I do like the potential of what he's going to be able to do with that roster of defensive players, of, of defensive returners, especially on the defensive line. We've talked about that a lot already, but excited to see what the Bulldogs have going because I do think that the hype is going to continue to pick up uh, for a program like that. I will, I'll hold off on my Mississippi State. Can what, I say what, it? Campaigning. You can say it. Go ahead. Connor's going to be on Fine Bomb today. Okay, so by the time people are hearing this, this is yesterday. It doesn't matter. You're going to be on Fine Bomb. The only people that I know that have been on Fine Bomb are like family members from Alabama that have embarrassed us and tarnished our name. You so this is a big moment for all. On that, that call in? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. How we never Jug, talked about this? Pug, Tiny, Dooney. Those are real names in my family. Are they really? So if anyone ever questions my SEC lineage, just know Jug, Pug, Tiny, Dooney. Those are birth certificate names, by the way. How did you end up with Chris? Oh, thank God for my mom. Thank yeah. God for my mom. Anyway, no, but Connor's going to be on Fine Bomb later today talking about Joe Moorhead again. It's my favorite again. subject, I think. <laughs> it's your favorite subject. It might be my favorite subject. I just love his swag. I, I wish every coach I had I honestly his type don't of swag. know what he even looks like. So that's a, he's only 44, but he kind of looks – he looks a little bit – I don't want to say this in the wrong way because I say all positive things about Joe Moorhead, of course. Oh, God. He looks – like when I found out that he was only in his early 40s at the time at Penn State, I was like, oh, I thought he was like early 50s, something like that. He's got the gray yeah. going. But How no, old do you I, think I am, Connor? 32. Good guess, 31. 31. So you look younger than your age. Okay, Good so you. when you type in Joe Muirhead. It's Moorhead. Pe- no, what? Muirhead. Come on. Well, no, Muir. I put M-U. It was the first thing that came up. M-U-I-R head. Uh, it is a blonde woman with pink hair. So that is not. That is not, not the Mississippi That is not coach. him. No. no. You're close. Right. Yes. Really. No, I mean, I, I don't... Oh, yeah, he does look... He's 44? Yeah. He looks like he's 60. Yeah. Hell of an offensive mind. He is. They don't care if he looks like he's 90, if he, yeah. he's able to dial up He a, brings a that offense, offense down here. It's all and those recruits. Yeah. No, I mean, like, I'm, I'm excited for your opportunity, first off. But also to see what they're going to have. I, I just... I I said it earlier, like this... Or today, we were talking about, you know, the pod. I'm disappointed, and I'm already, like... I'm trying not to be negative, Nancy, about it, but... I'm a, I'm a little bit worried that this weekend's going to be a dud full of spring games because you're not going to get Nick Fitzgerald. Right. You don't know if two is going to play at Alabama. I assume he's not. I'm assuming LSU just won't roll out with a quarterback. They're probably just going to have defensive scrimmages. Wildcat. Wildcat. Yeah, <laughs> Wildcat defense. Wild Tiger. Wild Tiger. How do you do that? Just trust me, man. We're going out of here. We won't play two defenses. We won't. We just, we're just doing ball drills all weekend. I think I think that'll end up being the entire like second half of the LSU game. We'll just be tackling drills. How did That's SEC it. Network not get you to call the second half of that game with the running clock? Just put you on doing a coach show. <laughs> so me, ver- me versus coach show. Yeah. So like, cause during the the Florida spring game, they put they're like, we're just gonna cut our mics and we're gonna go to you, Dan Mullen, and let you do your thing. And it was like a minute of him like not saying anything. I don't think he right. really understood what they were doing. Yeah. But it was the whole point of it was to try and get him in this like real sound oh. where he's coaching and stuff. So instead of doing that, let's just cut the mics and we'll have you doing Coach O watching the spring game. I that, would love I, I would love a, a mic'd up with Coach O. Oh, be also, I mean, like, I would love to just be next to him and just because you know he's going to come out there. He's going to have one of those beer dispensing helmets with like a, a monster on one side and like an original four loco on the other side. And he's just going to be out of his mind. Y'all don't want it. Wait, I said left. You know, that's probably why their offense sucks so bad is because no one understands a single play he's ever trying to call in. He's not trying to call in the offensive plays. That's also a good doing. point. Yeah, that's not what he's doing. Let's, well, let's, let's just, we'll talk about LSU and, and we'll, we'll move on to, to the rest of the spring game slate. LSU has a has a night spring game on Saturday night, which oh my God. interesting. But what it does mean, so Miles Brennan against our guy, our Frenchman, Loyal Narcisse. 
Loyal Nasese. We're going to get a pronunciation of his name that's going to be totally different. Ratatouille would be pretty good, too. So there's people are going to be watching the quarterback battle, hoping that somebody separates themselves, Look, looks like a legitimate SEC starter. I think that's right. what LSU fans want to see. But, <laughs> but to me, yeah, imagine that concept. Um, to me, the interesting thing is, is that this backfield, this backfield with LSU that maybe we've kind of taken Don't. for granted – over the years? I, so you brought this up last week, and you're like, you know, they don't have a stud NFL running back. I'm going to go ahead and just let you know right now, I don't know who the running backs are in, in LSU's backfield off the top of my head. I guarantee you there's an NFL running back in that backfield. There probably is. They, it's, that is death, taxes, and LSU having some 5'10", 230-pound kid that's just like a bowling ball. Well, they got Leonard Fred's brother, but he's had a little bit of a – needless to say, he, I don't think he's quite as talented as – What's as his Leonard. name? Leonard. I think Lannard. it's Lannard. That's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I remember that during recruiting. Yeah, Leonard and Lannard. <laughs> we got to name him now? We have to name him right now? Yes, Miss Fournette, you have to name him. He's like he's already been born. Ah, uh, Lannard, I guess. It's, 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 it's an interesting barely name. different. I've never heard it. But hey, if he becomes the star at LSU and yep. rushes for a thousand yards, you're gonna see a whole lot more Lannards and I have a Rouge. brother named Christ, so it's the same thing. Do you really? No. Oh wow. <laughs> Chris and Christ. Hey, you got some weird names in your family, as we yeah. found out on this very podcast. It's here. Jug, so anyway. Yeah. Yeah, no, it'll be a fun thing. It'll be fun to have an like LSU night game. It's always fun to have like any Death Valley at night. It's just a whole different experience. Electric. It's it's really odd to ever see that stadium in the daylight. It just for whatever reason, like they have an early early game. It's just it's a weird feeling to see that stadium in the daylight. Maybe top five atmosphere and LSU at night. I'd say probably has probably to be top, top five, five atmosphere. <laughs> yeah, top. Two, I would think. Well, I'm thinking like more specifically because then if you put all these stadiums at night, there are some real like I would argue that, you know, you could go up to a place like Happy Valley for a whiteout oh, at night, which is incredible. Yeah, nothing I like mean, being a part of a 13 to nine game up in Happy gosh, Valley for a whiteout. They didn't do that with Joe Moorhead. <laughs> That's a good point. No, I mean, I like Clemson has a Clemson great environment. It's not one. the real Death Valley, but like I go to a Clemson game every year with a buddy of mine. Bama's is eh, it's it's whatever. Georgia has a great environment, but LSU at night, yeah, it, like I think top they're three. right. Top three, I would say top two, top yeah. one. Okay. It is, it's there's no tougher place to play in my opinion. They have unless you're Alabama somehow. What about but like what about USC when there's 12 people there for a Pac-12 after dark? <laughs> don't game? say that because my girlfriend will flip out. She's like, they sell that place out, and I'll just bring up Google image after Google image oh. after Google image. I'm like, no, they don't with Ever. any of the five teams that play there somehow. Whether it's soccer or NFL or whatever. Anyway, but no, Bear Bryant used to say about, about playing in Death Valley is that it's like playing inside, it's like you're inside of a drum. They registered on the Richter scale, man. Yeah, okay, all right, sorry. I take back the top five thing. I'm sorry, yeah. LSU Christ. fans. I'm sorry. Christ, Marlar. So the spring game is going to be a top five atmosphere is what you're saying. Yeah, and that, that means even for a fall game, so yeah. Of course. We'll move on to Tennessee and what Jeremy Pruitt is going to be able to do in his debut. I don't know if we should really call these debuts because they're spring games. No. They don't really want to show a bunch of things. Defensively, everybody's eager to see what he's going to be able to do there long term. But in the short term, I think he's still playing around with a lot of different things. He's kind of talked throughout camp about this cross-training method where he's rotated a lot of guys back and forth on offense and on defense, where he's just kind of switching them and seeing maybe where their best fit is. He's been doing this with incoming freshmen. He's been doing it with upperclassmen. He doesn't really care. He wants you to be able to get the full scope of things. And that's a bit unconventional, but if it works, there are going to be a lot more coaches that are going to try and do something like that. I like that. I mean, you know, like, well, I mean, Saban did it with Devonta Smith playing cornerback a little bit. Right, right. But, you know, you you hear stuff like this a lot when you, especially with quarterbacks, stuff like that, like where you have, I forgot, somebody had it. I think about this last week about and they were talking. It was for the NFL draft, and I forgot the player who it was, but it was talking about how he grew up with a coach. He was a coach's son, which already helps out. But he had played quarterback, and he played receiver, and he played defense. So he knew what every single position's, like you know, identity was and their role on each play, and like what they're supposed to be doing. And obviously that helped him out in the long run. Now he's going to be a fourth round draft pick. So there's that. Yeah, it's almost like the how. Uh, like a guy like Anthony Davis in basketball was a yeah. point guard growing up, and then he grew, and then all of a sudden he's got to play in the post. And oh, by the way, now he can just do everything because yeah. he's had to play all these different positions. I like right. the logic of it, and I think that if you do start to see some results and and his teams are benefiting from it, I think you'll see a lot more coaches try and do that. Maybe he's right. even going to do that during the spring game where you'll see Alante Taylor and Princeton Fant like switch jerseys and go like across both teams or something yeah. like that. I think that actually be kind of cool to to watch. It's a lot to absorb for a player to know both of those playbooks and to be able to understand those things but yeah 
Hey, I would you, not have done well with that with my ADD. Good no. lord. Oh, I would not want. I would not have done well with that with my small brain. So. <laughs> I feel pretty good about that. A lot of people are looking forward to seeing uh, the offense and what it's going to look like with Tyson Helton, of course, the quarterback's coach from aforementioned USC. We're still not really going to see what the quarterback picture is going to really evolve into without because Keller, Christ, oh, not, dang it. not Christ, Christ. Okay. I was excited. Not going to be enrolled yet. The Stanford graduate transfer is going to be enrolling over the summer. So we'll get a lot of Jared Guarantano, I believe, and then we're going to see what happens with this Tennessee offense. Just points would probably be a good thing. Maybe we're going to see Jeremy Pruitt do like what Dan Mullen did, where he kind of manufactured points and told the refs right. to let him play. <laughs> Just kind of, uh, maybe it's too in touch, maybe it's not. I don't, I don't I'm know. I'm making this up as I go. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be fun to see. Uh, no, so I, I'm actually excited. I, I'm here for two things. Jared Guarantano, however you say his name, and to see what if he's progressed at all because I like that kid last year. He he's just a tough was so kid. beat he's up, a tough man. Kid. God, he got beat up a lot. Yeah. And like, and like, I, I saw him a lot, in, like in the Bama game. Saw him a little bit in the South Carolina game, and then later in the year. But good God, it, I didn't think he was going to make it through that Alabama game. And he just it seemed like most of the year he was playing hurt. Like that kid, that kid. I, I'm pulling for him, and I'm also here for the first ever head coaching tirade and rant and hissy fit that Jeremy Pruitt is going to throw. And there is no doubt he's going to throw one. When do you think it'll be? I think second quarter tops. Of somebody's the spring gonna, game? Yes. Somebody's going to fumble a punt or something, or they're going to have like a delay of game somehow, and he's going to be on the field in someone's ear hole and be like, whoa, coach, okay. Yeah, even when you watched uh, Two-A-Days back in the day, he was always the most vocal. Like he was more vocal than Coach Probst. What are you doing? What are you doing? Ross, That's pretty good. what are you doing? <laughs> there was a kid on the team named Ross, wasn't there? It was Ross Wilson. He's a quarterback. Oh, Ross Wilson. Ross we Wilson. dressed up as if it, for Halloween one year, but he's, Ross, what are you doing, man? That's, That's probably good. one of my best impressions. I'm so good at coach impressions. Yeah, I think that's a new career path for you, maybe, yeah. potentially. Yeah, Belichick, we'll that. well, we're going to move on to the Alabama <laughs> spring game here and talk about some of the quarterbacks. We're on to Alabama. <laughs> with a southern accent. Belichick with a southern accent. Uh, can't do that. That's <laughs> let, let us move on to, to Alabama. We talked a little bit before about Tua having the setback. His hand is in a cast. He, he had a picture of it on Instagram. Doesn't look like he's going to be throwing a whole lot of passes anytime soon. Just I'm just worried about what that's going to do for his ukulele career. That's a good question. Nobody's yeah. been asking that. Please tell me you saw the shirt that he was wearing. It said, eat, sleep, ukulele. Oh, I saw that. That's, that's pretty cool. That's pretty I cool. Guess. Yeah, that is pretty cool. Sure. That'd be a, that'd be, that's one of those skills that I would love to have that I never, no. ever will. <laughs> To be able to sit and play a ukulele or guitar, I mean, really, honor of the two. There, there's few things that I fear more than my mother sternly saying Christopher and someone at a party pulling out an effing acoustic guitar and being like, I'm going to play a few songs. No, you're not. Don't play Oasis Wonderwall. I, I know what you're doing. You're about to go into Wagon Wheel and Wonderwall. We're all good. We're all set on that. It's not an SDS podcast until you have a complaint that involves Wagon Wheel in one way put or it, another. Put it away, Bryce. That's all I'm saying. Just put the put the acoustic guitar away. Oh, anyway, no, so I'm I'm a little bit like I'm gonna watch the Bama Spring game. I'm skipping out on golf with my friends, thank God. Because I told him I had to cover the SEC spring games. Yeah, I mean, he's still listed on the depth chart as of now, and they put it out today. I just don't think He's there's no reason to play him. There's no, just there's no not. reason to play him. There's not. And and it's it's like we said earlier in the year. An injury to him in the I don't mean this in a bad way or ever wishing harm or injury on any player. Obviously. I know what you're gonna say and you're right. But it's it's such it's the perfect thing that could have happened for Saban. You it, avoid it, it all of out. this BS about like quarterback battle and controversy and who's gonna play here. And you know what? They're gonna get to have Mac Jones get some time to play. Exactly. Thank God. Because he exactly. they, they need to develop with him in case somebody else transfers out. But yeah, I mean, like, and hopefully, hopefully, Jalen will have some improvements. Right. It, but they've got some injuries all over the place. Yeah, and of course, if you ask Nick Saban, would you rather have Tua be healthy for the for the spring? Of course, he's going to say yes. I want him on the field. Right. I want my sophomore to be to be getting as many reps as possible. This is valuable time to be to be getting on the same page as yeah. the offense. So. It, we understand that perspective, but in terms of the bigger picture and what this could potentially mean for developing that quarterback room and getting some right. depth, it's really going. I think it's going to work out pretty well. It ensures that, in my opinion, 
Jalen Hurts is not going anywhere. He's not going to switch to kicker, as you predicted. He's not even going to switch to receiver, as I predicted. Right. At least not while there's a chance that he could play because Tua is potentially on the shelf. You know, and the thing is, what does suck about all this is, and like you said, like you want, Saban said, you want to have Tua getting these reps. Because the last thing you want from somebody like Tua is to not get a lot of playing time and not get that many game reps <laughs> and then just be forced into this situation where you're Terrible in over your head and happen, you're down right. by, I don't know, 13, <laughs> and there's less than 30 minutes to play, and it's like, oh, now all this pressure is on me. What am I going to do? That's the last thing you want as an Alabama fan or as a Georgia defense or as a coach. So there's that. Let's move on to Georgia. It's also not an SDS <laughs> podcast episode until you rip Georgia defense in some way, shape, or form with the national championship reminder. We will move on to Georgia and Kirby Smart, what he is trying to do. Fitting, though, that we end with the SEC champs. It ended up working out like that. <laughs> Kirby Smart's been really, really critical of his defense all spring long. I he love is, it. I it's love it. great. It is yeah. so atypical to see a coach call out his defense and say, yeah, we're just not good enough in this area yet. Yeah, our depth is a real big issue right now. I think it's pretty good to see a coach that got so close to a national championship still obviously have that same hunger to want to achieve perfection. That's the tone he's setting. So good. (laughs) They're going to be, I guarantee you, this defense is a top five defense in the country. Georgia's going to be so good. And I honestly... As much as I rip on Georgia, and you brought up like the the defense thing that I always like try to like have that little subtle jab, I 100% mean this. I'm more excited to watch the Georgia spring game than I am to watch the Alabama spring game, Ooh. even as a Bama fan. I can't wait to see Justin Fields. I can't wait to see the secondary. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to see these new faces on defense. I can't wait to see these running backs. Oh yeah, I mean we won't get and, to see and that offensive line. But yeah, yeah. I, there no, are a I'm lot of Holyfield. Great... Right, Holy. Oh yeah, he's gonna flex. Yeah. He should flex. That should just be his touchdown dance, is flex every time. Yeah, I know he's not as big as what the Photoshop picture said he was, but he yeah, should still flex small. every time. <laughs> he is not small. Yeah, th- there are a lot of really intriguing pieces that Georgia's going to be plugging into this offense, especially looking at the recruiting class that they just brought in. Yep. A lot of guys that I'm eager to see, you know, like a Brenton Cox or somebody like that who, you know, these five-star guys who are going to get a good chance to, right. to get some run in the, in the spring here. And Justin Fields, as you said before, how much are we going to see of him? What's Kirby Smart going to be willing to do? And are Georgia fans going to rush to conclusions if he has a nice spring game? Is that I tell you, uh, first, you're talking about Justin Fields? Talking about Justin I, Fields. So the kid's too good, from what I've heard, he's too good to get off, like to not play. But so this is, is Tua, and this is though. so is Tua. So then this is this is I said this last year. I was at I was at my, my best friend's wedding and Bama had their spring game and I was screaming at the TV. Everyone thought I was nuts. Because you the last nuts. thing I yes, yeah, <laughs> that's fair. The last thing I wanted was Tua to be successful in the spring game. And I, I know that sounds weird, but I the last I wanted him to go one of eleven. I wanted him to look like a Florida quarterback. Like I I, I wanted nothing positive from his because because I didn't want that whole quarterback controversy. Look what happened at Clemson this past weekend. Kelly Bryant, who comes yep. back as your senior quarterback. They've already discussed moving him to receiver before Trevor Lawrence came in. What is Trevor Lawrence? Kelly Bryant goes, I think it was 5 of 13 or 8 of 13 for like 35 yards and, Trevor and an interception. Lawrence, didn't he throw a touchdown pass in like the first play or something? Trevor Lawrence threw an absolute bomb, hit a kid in stride on the right sideline. He, I think he ended up on the day he was like 16 of 23 for like 120-something yards. It was, it was a pretty standard day. Or maybe it was less than that. I don't know. But he also had another bomb that was like a 60-yard touchdown that was called back because of a uh, – was it, is it Dexter Lawrence? The, the, no, Christian Wilkins. Christian Wilkins got wrong, a sack. Wrong future first-round defensive Right, line exactly. exactly. Yeah. But so – but now, of course, like all Clemson fans are like, man, this freshman looks so good. You want to put him in there? You don't want that. You, I mean, you don't really want that. Trust me. You don't want that in your life because you have a senior at quarterback. You have Fromm already here at Georgia. I, I mean, I think Justin Fields, you want whoever's going to win you games, but Jake Fromm can win you games. Won a lot of games last year, that's for sure. Yeah. So I but, just, I'm just i eager to see what, what they both look like. And I think Kirby Smart, the biggest difference is going to be in year three of him coaching. And they already made a tremendous jump. Not enough is made out of what he did from year one to year two, going I seven think and five. Is made of that. I think I, I disagree. Made. I really disagree. And like I know we talk about it a lot, but like there's a difference between like when in Saban's second year they were ranked number one. They went they went twelve and zero, and people compare that with with Smart. Right. But there's a big difference between that and then getting to the national championship game in year two in the SEC 
and and having the chance and really should have probably won the national championship game in year two because now you're in year three and you're only getting better that recruiting class was insane and they're like the biggest difference you're gonna see because like he's harping on he's i take it take it from somebody that's like seen his his mentor do this a bazillion times he's harping on what he wants to improve like the defense stuff like that I'll tell you right now, he's already got a huge improvement, and he knows that. He's oh, just he like it. looking for them to not be great, but be elite. Yeah, and they're going to take perfect. that step, especially in the trenches. And it's going to be incredible to watch, I think. Right. It was Georgia, who, and I, I wrote about this too, another shameless plug, that it was Georgia who came back from the Rose Bowl, and they were doing 60% max squats like immediately right. after right. getting back. That's like that's who Kirby Smart is. He is that type of stickler for for perfection. Remember when Jake Fromm was like he reamed Jake Fromm on the sideline for not getting Vandy. the first down at Vandy <laughs> yeah. up 31 in that game? Yeah. He's that's a perfectionist. What you, but that's what you want. That's what you want. That's what that's you exactly want. Exactly what you want. And and that's the whole thing and people don't understand that and, and like I know I know how I live my life, but I will say how do you one live thing your life, Chris? Not not in life? this way at all. But one thing I respect so much about Saban is I just had a quiche for and, and hummus for breakfast since one you o'clock. Live a so there's basic that. Life. I live a very that quiche is phenomenal. <laughs> so anyway, no, but like when you expect more of yourself and you set like you're like the self discipline that he tries to instill in those people, like from Saban and with Smart, I think is so impressive to watch because. It's not about that that whole being down 31. That's not him being like a hard ass or being like a stickler or trying to, you know, like do too much of the silent overreacting. That's because what he's preaching to them and instilling in them, instilling in them is to pl- like playing against themselves, being in control of what they can be in control of. And he should have had that first down. Should have had the first down, probably. Yeah. yeah. Should have I, I guarantee out. you he probably he like Jake Fromm didn't take that as like Oh, woe is me, and I'm all upset because Coach yelled at me like I probably would have. No, he took it as like, okay, this is what I need to do next time. Yep. And then yeah, I'd say I'd say his tactics worked out pretty well. Yes. He's pushing all the right buttons. A lot of people are gonna jump to conclusions based on what they see on Saturday. Good slate of spring games. Hopefully yep. we're not gonna be disappointed as you kind of predicted because yep. of maybe the lack of star power. But we will move on to a guy who is no longer with us in the SEC, but he is still with us in our hearts and in college football. We got some Return of the Mac. Yes, the jam of the 90s. You know it. It is fantastic. Mark Morrison. Oh, such a great song. Jim McElwain had a story come out about him on ESPN.com. Basically about his role at Michigan, how it all came to be. As it turns out, he wasn't out there pursuing it. He got a (laughs) random phone call from Jim Harbaugh saying, you want to come work for me? And this is the the quote that uh, he gave to ESPN.com during his availability on Monday. He said... I don't know if he got the wrong number and I answered. That's what McElwain said, referencing Harbaugh. He said, no, I don't really know how it came about, but we got a phone call, he and his agent, and I was obviously very excited to come and, if nothing else, get an opportunity to stand in the background and see how something is operated. So, there you have it. Jim McElwain did not expect to get that job at Michigan. Okay, so, and our boss, Kevin Duffy, great man, he put it best. He said... At what point? Like he did this. He did this at Florida. At what point is he going to start acting like he belongs? Right. In this coaching fraternity and like as like a business. Like, hey man, you've been doing it for quite some time. Yeah. You've like, been, there's I mean, a reason for, you're here. Yeah. I just man, like every everything he handles everything like he's either like it's his first time doing it or like some all shucks gee whiz. Like country singer that's like fake thinking his wife like yeah. on stage accepting a word like I you know and I just I'm so blown away she's still with me I can't I can't even imagine how I even got here man I'm like I'm just a poor country kid down from Moultrie Georgia and next thing I know I'm out here with the greats and hanging out with Luke Bryan I I can't even believe it like yeah just believe it you guys had a song together stop Did you watch the ACM song on song absolutely not country music is dead in my opinion it, what, Florida Georgia Line had a man bun come on yeah we'll save that topic for another for another time but you're right though Jim McElwain has gotten to this point in his career where dude like expect that you're at least going to get a phone call from some places yes. I know that it was a surprise <laughs> that that a place like Michigan called you but dude like expect the phone to he ring sounds like such a baby <laughs> he kind of does and I, I think you're right though in that it it, it might not be this intentional aw shucks thing like I really can't believe that I'm here it might just be a nervous I don't know what else to insecure. say but I need to come off yeah insecure well, you go to prom I need to come me, off Michigan? humble yeah gosh but like you know maybe he meant it like in an honest way like I can't believe anyone called me not because he's being insecure because he faked a death a death uh, threat maybe that's what, if he would have said that I'd be like oh yeah that's believable 
Yeah, I can't believe I, I got another coaching opportunity after I faked a, a death threat to my family and I, I humped that shark. But hey, I'm really whoa, happy whoa, to be whoa, here. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Let's pump the brakes. I think that has been proven that Mr. McElwain was maybe or maybe not involved. No, he was not involved in that. I'm just but, saying, I just can't wait for the, the other picture to come out of Ed Orgeron big spooning Mike the Tiger. I mean, somebody has photoshopped that by now. They better have. Send it to us. Get a free, free sticker. We'll send you a couple free stickers if yeah, you've got for that real. Photoshop. That would be glorious. We're just going to get a, a letter in the mail from Coach Orgeron in the LSU football office, and it's just him with, like, an Olin Mills photo next to Mike the Tiger. He's like, I've been doing it for years. That'd be great. I'd love to see that. All right, we've got to move on to a new rule in college football. Everybody loves rules, right? Rules are fun. Rules are great. Change Structure. is good. Yeah. <laughs> there is a new kickoff rule that was approved in college football. This was reported a couple months ago that the NCAA was in talks to make this change, and now it is official. It is going to happen in college football this year. Players can now, on a kickoff, call a fair... Ooh, that was a nice voice crack. What I was a that? good voice crack in a while. I was like, kind of like still... I don't know what. That was like a weird, like awkward breath. I just can't believe I'm on this podcast, and they have got so, so many humbled. opportunities. <laughs> Players can call a fair catch between the goal line and the 25-yard line, and they just get it at the 25 so it's basically like a touchback. If you try and do the little pooch kick, guys can fair catch it now. They're trying to reduce injuries. What's the point? I, don't, I mean, I don't want to see him do away with kickoffs because that's weird. I told you this earlier. I, I mean, I'm in favor of anything that stops the stadium DJ from playing the Rolling Stones start me up before kickoff because I am over that. I've been over that since like 1997. But other than that, it's it'd be weird to be like, all right, who's ready for game time? Let's tee it up under the center at the 25-yard line with a 15 minutes left on the clock. Real quick, worst kickoff starting or worst kickoff song, start me up or let's get it started, Black Eyed Peas. I, who's playing? Let's get it started. I feel like I've heard that. Really? Yeah, I feel like I've heard that. Maybe at like a basketball game or something like that. Maybe I haven't heard that at. Those I feel aren't like even I've words. That, that song. <laughs> So, yeah, well, it's definitely. Words. Yeah, that's definitely. It's definitely start me up because that is. I'm a Stones fan. I've seen them three times. Humble brag. Sick that is the man. worst song they've ever had. Ooh, that's a fire take. Yeah, it is a fire take. It's real so too. Basically, we're gonna get rid of kickoffs because we don't have good enough songs to no. make for. <laughs> Play Florida kickoffs. Georgia Line or lose me forever. No, I mean, I, I, I think it's. I'm all for player safety because it is. It is dumb. One thing I will selfishly admit that I'm. I'm gonna miss, is. The mind F, I guess, mind, whatever word you want to use. Mind grenade. Mind grenade that happens when, when, people, <laughs> when people can't decide if they're going to like knee, take a knee in the end zone or run it back out, and then they yes. take a step past the line and then, and then knee it, and so they're down at the one. It's like, you ever, have you ever like been around somebody that's cooler than you and tried to give them like a dab or a high five, and Every then you day. mess up the, the handshake and you mm-hmm. go like rock or paper beats rock, like... In a handshake into a fist bump. That's exactly what that looks like. Oh, absolutely, no, no doubt whatsoever. Yeah, yeah that's th- that awkward moment. If we don't get that, where, where else are we going to get that on a football field? So I, I, don't, I don't know. It's a good point. Maybe we should leave the kickoff in there. Hopefully, they're not just for get me rid of it for average. comedy's sake. <laughs> yes, we would love to see that. But college football will be a little bit different uh, next year with that rule in place. Guy who's no longer in college football might not be in the NFL for very much longer, unfortunately. Reuben Foster, former Alabama first-round pick, has been told to former stay Auburn away. Commit. Former Auburn commit. Let's say that. Uh, former Alabama I'm star, kidding. probably more yeah. importantly. The 30, 31st pick overall in the 2017 NFL Draft. He is in hot water with the 49ers because of a domestic violence incident. We're not going to go into the, the details about that. They're, they're pretty bad. But they're basically, really bad. what this... The story and the way that this has unfolded is this is just a this is another thing that has happened in this string of events with Reuben Foster since he's left Alabama. He of yeah. course had the issues at the combine where he was kicked kicked out of the combine because of a, an issue that happened with his medical testing. There have been some different stories as to what led to that necessarily, but he got kicked out of the combine. He also had a dilute sample at the combine, so that's not the best look either. And now this thing comes up after he had a had a pretty good rookie year too. So, you know, over the weekend when this all came about, uh, Ross Tucker, who's NFL personality, radio personality type guy, he tweeted that Reuben Foster has been kicked out of the combine, failed drug tests, and arrested twice since going pro, but never got in trouble at Alabama. 
Bama either has the best support system of all time or does a great job keeping things quiet or both. And a lot of people weren't necessarily fans of him saying that, including Paul Feinbaum. Yeah, so here's what I'll say. Have you noticed that um, Ruben didn't start until his senior year? Didn't he start his junior year? No. He started He started on special teams, but he, he wasn't a full-time starter until his senior year. Okay. And one of the reasons why is, like, I mean, he was, he had all the talent in the world. And just, it took a while for him to, like, understand, like, more of, like, the fundamentals of tackling, for one. Like, I remember one of his scouting reports saying, like, once he learns how to tackle without injuring himself, he's going to be a star. And I was like, wow, yeah, that's one of those things you need to learn pretty quickly. I'm, I'm not naive to think that I'm sure Bama, does, like, polices stuff internally and that there's some things that they get away with. I mean, I think as they, you do with most schools, and I, and I don't think Bama's, I don't think it's far-fetched to think that Bama maybe does that at all. Like, I, I think that's probably yeah. happened. At the same time, like... You know, there's, and this is not me making an excuse for Reuben Foster, but there's a quote I remember from Gene Sullins like way back in the day, and it was over whether or not he should have suspended a player named David Palmer, who was the best player on the team. He was like third in the Heisman race in 1993. And he said he made the decision because at that point, David Palmer needed the team more than the team needed David Palmer. And I think there's some kids, I'm not saying this to make an excuse at all for Reuben Foster, at all. This is more of like a microcosm for like like more people like all over like the country. And the fact that, there's a lot of these kids that come out of not the best home situations, not the best like structures like for like family and, you know, parents and stuff like that. And maybe they don't this a lot of times I feel like this is the first time in their life they're exposed to structure and rules and understanding of what's expected to like of them as an adult, as a man, as somebody with responsibilities. And I think for the most part college athletics should do a good job of of instilling that in kids. However, it's inexcusable what happened. It's absolutely inexcusable what happened. I think that there's a some for some of these kids there's a level of either familiarity with this, like when they grew up around it, and they whether they think it's more acceptable because they they saw it and witnessed it growing up because that's what that's without getting too philosophical. I understand what you're saying. Yeah, I understand hurt what you're people, saying. hurt people, yeah. hurt people. And I think there's a level of that that factors into it. I think there's also a level of invincibility that these kids think they have once they get to the NFL and they've got money in their pocket for the first time and they've got, you know, they don't have somebody. They're, they're in charge of their own lives. Right. And I, I think it's it's a probably a combination of both those things. Either way, and I'm saying this as a Bama fan, I know we're not going to get into, like, what, what happened. He should not be allowed to play football, and it's disgusting what happened. There's no excuse for, for ever doing that to a woman. Right, and, yeah, I mean, they're – you know, these, these charges are still ongoing. The 49ers said that they're basically going to keep them away from the facility until all these allegations come to light and they get some more clarity on all this stuff. You know, that's kind of the, the standard operating procedure for right. the NFL team. I don't like the accusation of assuming that Alabama just swept everything no. he's ever done under the rug. I don't think it's a fair thing to say. Does it probably happen in certain places? Absolutely. Right. Uh, you bring up a good point about the fact that there are certain programs where they decide the te- they, that the kid needs the team more than the team needs the kid. And Urban Meyer's gotten in a lot of trouble for doing yeah. stuff like that, where he's giving kids the benefit of the doubt and saying this kid needs the team. Without it, he's going to fall apart, and right. I can't let that happen. It's it's tough. It's a double-edged sword, and there's no way to look at it the right way. I don't want to assume that a kid has had a bunch of skeletons in his closet right. at Alabama. Maybe at Alabama he was doing all the right things. Maybe he wasn't. We don't know that. I don't want to accuse anybody of doing that. No. But it is, it's one of those situations where it just goes to show you, you never know what's going to happen right. in the NFL when you're an adult making your own big-time decisions. And, but, and let's, let's like, last thing I'll say on it, and let's be clear as, like, as people that work in the media, as people that are just in this society, and I'm going to get pretty fired up over this when I say it, but let's just be freaking clear once and for all that when stuff like this happens – the first assumption and the first jump you make should never be to assume anything about just sweeping it under the rug or, comp- like, I guess, comparing it to arrests for marijuana or other charges or other times he's gotten in trouble. The first thing that needs to be addressed is the issue of domestic violence. Right. And that is it's, – it's such a shame and embarrassing to think that, like – and I'm not saying that he never got in trouble at Alabama, but that is the focal point of what happened here. And that should be the first thing that's addressed. There's a victim here that's going to be scarred for life, and he has a child that's nine years old that she's going to have to grow up with this stuff now for like the rest of her life and see that's the example she has in front of her as a family. That is the focal point initially and should be the priority here instead of, well, what about all the other stuff that could have happened when he was in college or high school? That's That, that to me, that stuff maybe needs to be addressed and we look at and 
sure. But down the line from the fact that domestic violence is a serious problem in this country, especially in this arena for NFL. Yeah, all sports, all organizations probably need to take, in my opinion, a, a closer look at the domestic violence issues and, and what's what's being reported, what's right. not. We don't want to assume that there were previous issues of stuff like that. But, you know, it, just a, a, a sad situation. You hope that a guy finds the right path and whether, yeah. you know, he never plays another down of football again or not, you just hope that he figures it out and becomes right. a good human being. So speaking of being an adult, we're going to transition to a, an interesting subject. We'll lighten <laughs> the mood stuck with the country bit. music. My bad. I know. Just, we'll lighten I the mood a little bit. Up, man. Greg Sankey, we praised him earlier, but he might have had a few SEC fans, might have made a few SEC fans sad by basically saying that the uh. dialogue, the dialogue surrounding alcohol coming to SEC stadiums and general seating, that that discussion is going to continue, but that doesn't really sound very promising. Yeah. I say this because... Last week, Alabama Athletic Director Greg Byrne went on a radio show. Uh, I think it was WJOX, I think it was. And he said that he knows that teams are at least pushing to not have the autonomy. In other words, they want the conference to have a new policy where a university can decide for themselves whether they want to have alcohol sold in general seating areas in their stadiums instead of making it an SEC-wide thing where they say no alcohol in SEC stadiums except in the premium sections. Now, it's an interesting discussion because obviously, I mean, I like a good adult beverage. I like watch having a good adult <laughs> I like a lot beverage of them. on it. Yeah, I like, you know, I, I like throwing a, a couple of brewskis back. You know, who doesn't while they're watching a football yeah. game? That's, you know, a pretty standard thing. And you know, they've tried to avoid that because this is the NCAA. But they also want to maintain the integrity of this being amateur athletics, as they oh, like boy. to say. Is it? As they like to say. <laughs> the interesting thing to me is that Greg Byrne brought up a, a good point, and he said the thing that's really going to drive this and make it happening, it can't just be the money because obviously the money's there. Uh, schools like Ohio State made over a million dollars by selling alcohol and general right. seating. Schools like the, the schools like West Virginia and Texas actually did testing into whether or not they had more <laughs> or less incidence, incidences because of this general seating alcohol policy and they said they actually had less in-stadium incidents with this in place now right as opposed to having all the binge drinking going on outside of the stadium people are still going to drink outside of the stadium people yeah. are still going to drink at tailgates but if they're drinking less maybe they're not coming into the stadium as inebriated yeah. and as Here's ready to, to roll so to speak mr sankey you've already you've already taken a stand and put your foot down on my offensive coordinator all i'm going <laughs> to say to you if you're going to take you can take my coordinator. Don't take my, my booze, okay? Well, he'd be giving you booze in a way. Well, I hope he would be because if I have to sit here, you have any idea how much how much tolerance you have to have and, and, and strength emotionally you have to have to get through a football game where your offensive coordinator has called three jet sweeps on a third and six? That's a, that's, that's a lot of liquid help. I'll just LS, be honest with you. LSU fans know your pain. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, let's not be serving up the original four locos like I brought up earlier, but like... Maybe let's dabble a little bit with some Bud Light. Maybe let's dabble a little bit with some Makers. I like to have a mixture of all three so I can figure out which like is best of luck for me to have for the rest of the game. I got a vodka sash. I got a little bit of bourbon. Got a little. It's just you, you have to prepare. Well, <laughs> you've thought through all these. Scenarios. It's such a panic every every Saturday when I make it to Green's Beverage Warehouse, and I'm just like, I don't know. Give me one of everything. Whatever's working. I don't know what situation's gonna arise. I think a lot of SEC fans would love to see this policy. Just, just taken away so that each university can decide whether or not it's the right thing for them. You obviously don't want to have more incidences in stadiums. Right. We talked about this a little bit earlier before we came on. A little peek behind the curtain here. We talked about we don't want it to be an NFL-like atmosphere. No. The NFL atmosphere, in my opinion, the in-game atmosphere is not a good one. It's so bad. I think it's really avoidable, and I think that's why their attendance is decreasing, in my opinion, more than any flag protesting or yeah. anything like that. I think that's what it comes down to. And College football regular season is a beautiful, beautiful thing. It's and the they're best. Very scary. God, I'm so excited. They don't want to. They don't want to tweak with it. And you know, I get it's, that. It's one thing to have like, like I love Bills Mafia doing like the table breaking and stuff like that outside the stadium beforehand. That, like, stuff's nuts. that stuff is nuts. But like, and that's like that's fun and that's funny and all that kind of stuff. What I don't like seeing is like Philadelphia fans fighting each other in the parking lots. And there's there is absolutely nothing worse. And it happens every Sunday. You mark it down at like six thirty, seven o'clock Eastern time. If you hop on. On Instagram or Twitter, and just one of like the the news outlets, or like whether it be like Barstool or whatever, you'll see some video of some fat Raiders fan in like the third upper yep. deck trying to fight another fat Raiders fan for no reason. 
Yeah, we don't want that in college football. No. I mean, yeah, it happens at places, but we'd like as little of that as possible. Fight the other team, not each other. That's what we're saying. Moving on. Might mean too much to those fans. <laughs> yeah. It might mean too much to Mr. LeBron James, who oh. decided that he was going to try and go after the big dog that is Alabama football. <laughs> I think he's going to come up woefully short in his attempts to sue Alabama for infringing on his his shop talk idea. That's not going to happen. But now, now get this, LeBron is getting sued. This go is figure. Awesome. This LeBron is, is getting sued. Uh, TMZ reported this, that LeBron is getting sued by Adventure Enterprises. Apparently, they pitched him this show with his company uninterrupted, and it lasted. Those negotiations were like over the course of two years, and apparently, they didn't do this and uninterrupted just like stole the idea. So, okay, so, and this all goes back to one thing for me LeBron's hairline is receding faster than the damn French army. Like, just, just stop. Just stop. It's it, like, who cares? You're the best athlete in the world. Nobody, no, no, you're the best athlete in the world. You're also balding. We all still love you. That's fine. Or people hate you. Who cares? Stop arguing over something this petty. What does LeBron's barber do? I don't think he has one because he spray paints like shoe shine on top of his forehead every playoffs. Does he and just also, check him for lice? Why don't we? <laughs> why don't we just focus? You need to focus on the playoffs right now, Bron. Bron, you just yeah. got beat by 18 at home by the Pacers. Lost a lot of money on that. Okay, need you need you in tip top shape. So this really comes only comes down to your your my gambling. gambling. Yes, yeah. I'm over it. I need you to focus on the court. Same for you, Amon and Tristan Thompson. Don't even get me started on you, sir. Don't even get me started on you. I got a lot of money right on these finals. And you better be in them. These 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 finals. Yeah, How are you gonna I'm, get to the finals? Goodness gracious! Yeah, LeBron's more worried about who's who he can sue for something that has nothing to do with any idea that he started. No. And meanwhile, he's his, you know, his hairline and the top of his head literally looks like a driving range after like a Saturday afternoon. I love how instantly we know that the chances of LeBron losing a lawsuit and getting sued are now greater than him getting anything from Alabama. And Alabama right. just kept on right. doing it. Yeah. Just, yeah they, they were cool story, bro. That. We'll talk to you later. Yeah. All right. Good luck with that. All right. We, we're going to wrap up with uh, some, we promised last week, some five-star reviews. We've got some five-star reviews pulled up right now. At least I do. Do you do? do you have I have, I have a shout-out I'm going to give to somebody from uh, from Facebook Live. Once again, every every Tuesday, we're not doing it this Tuesday, this Wednesday. So tonight, if you're listening to the podcast, we'll be doing a Facebook Live. I'll get on Facebook Live on uh, STS's page, and we'll be talking about sports, SEC stuff, obviously, for about 20, 30 minutes, testing out a different beer every week. Whatever you guys want to talk about, you guys let me know, and we'll uh, we'll do that, like I said, once a week. So there you go. Take it away. Love it. So we're going to start with a basic one. from uh, This one is from the one and only DD, but DD, not like D-I-D-I. Just saying. Five-star review. Said it was entertaining and informative. Love SDS and this podcast. They're always on, the top, on, the, on top of the latest news in college sports. All right. Awesome. That is us. They say anything about my looks at all, or what? Just, just, just uh, the content. That sucks, just, man. Yeah, just the just the content. Didi, yeah. next time, can you make me feel a little bit better? Hey, this might make you feel a little <laughs> bit better. This review, another five star review. Dominic Brown said, "Oh, by the way, the subject line is the best. Best is in all caps, Brady Hoke style." Yeah, I absolutely love SDS! Exclamation point. I listen to y'all while I am on the treadmill at the gym. I can't wait until it's football season. Dot 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 dot. Roll Tide. There it is. There it is, in all caps at the end. You know I didn't write that because there's a treadmill involved, so there's that. Exactly. I threw that possibility <laughs> out the window. This from Busy Dad of Four. Oh, what, what do you think podcast. that is derived from? Maybe having some kids. Okay, there you go. Maybe having some kids. Maybe a little, little family. Love it. I love the sick brag. Hey, I would brag about my family all the time, too. Subject is love the podcast. Makes me miss SEC football. Great content, good discussions, and interesting takes on SEC football, schools, schedules. Thanks. I think that's all because of the Alabama home-and-home schedule. The schedules that I kept talking about. Tennessee in 2021 is going to be on fire. I love it. All right, so this is uh, It's Me, Hippie John. Uh All right, Hippie John. We we appreciate the review. Uh, It's a fantastic podcast for everything SEC. That's the subject. The review reads, Admittedly, I haven't listened to a ton of episodes, but I have a feeling... That's going to change. Being a South Carolina fan, I feel like sometimes the program gets a little overlooked, but these guys give every team the attention they deserve, and I feel like these guys are the most unbiased in regards to SEC teams. So far, so good. Keep up the good work. 
You are we unbiased, did, right? We, I am unbiased. I try to be as unbiased as possible. You I'm, do I'm, try to be as unbiased as possible, even though well, we didn't they have talk about fans there. We didn't talk about South Carolina at all this week. We did not talk about South Carolina this week. He's right, though. He's we do talk about Maybe he's getting caught up. Maybe we, like he it. was talking about the the spring game podcast that we did, talking yeah. you know a little preview, a little recap. So I love it. I just feel bad now because I want to I want to give I want to give more to the fans. Yeah, I'm All right, gonna last give, one. Okay, go ahead. We got free sticker. That's the subject. So <laughs> this will tell you everything you need to know. This is maybe the most honest one yet. At first, I just subscribe for the sticker. This is from Stuart Joseph, by the way. At first, I just subscribed for the free sticker. But as I listened, I not only enjoyed all the football talk, but the sense of humor you guys have. In the eyes of intern Butch Jones, you would definitely have five-star hearts. Yeah! There it is. That is clap-worthy. like that. That is wonderful. Stuart Joseph, we appreciate you. We appreciate everybody that's given us five-star reviews. We appreciate everybody who is following us on Twitter for some crazy reason. I mean, I'm like... I don't really think I'm that good of a follow. I don't have I don't have like the fire takes all the time that get people riled up. Oh man, uh, I, I feel I like I that. should be I should have so many more followers. I'll just be honest with you. Also, I, I couldn't change my I couldn't change my Twitter handle. So last week on the on the on the Facebook Live, we decided we were going to give away a free sticker and a prize pack to whoever came up with the best new Twitter handle for me. And I'll have you know, Connor's drunk teenager won. Yes. Because yes. that was for a part of another five-star review. But Love they it. only let you have 15 letters in your handle. So I'm still looking for a new handle. You just got to shorten it. You could just do like take out all the vowels or something. Connor's and... drunk teen. That sounds weird. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's a good point. We'll, we'll give you no, we'll, we'll figure it out. Hey, uh, <laughs> we'll figure it out. Either way, I'm going to give one shout out to uh, a, a buddy of mine I've never met in person. He's just like the nicest person ever on Facebook and, and social media. Jeremy Nix uh, follows the podcast, follows uh, our Facebook Live we do every week. Last week... He told me, he sent me a message. He said, hey, man, might not make the Facebook Live tonight. And I was like, all right, yeah, all right, just live your life. It's good. Like it's, I, like it's I your appreciate buddy hanging that. out. Like, I, yeah, love but it. I love that. But he was like, it's my, it's my wife's an- and I's anniversary, eight years. I'm like, oh, congratulations. That's great. Totally understandable. Not a big deal. And he was like, <laughs> I get a message like a, a little while later. It's like, talk to her to doing dinner early. I'll be on the Facebook Live. And I was like, Gary Nix, you are the, the freaking man. Oh, so I just want to say thank you very much, Jeremy Nix. He's, he's a great guy. He's uh, very helpful and, and insightful when it comes to different topics, all that kind of stuff. So there's that. That being said, we look forward to talking to you guys next week. Connor's got to go it. get primped and ready for his fine bomb debut. And uh, we hope all of you have a great week. And enjoy these spring games on Saturday. By the time you're listening to this, hopefully my career is not over. That's, that's Don't do hard. anything stupid. Yeah, I promise I won't do anything stupid. <laughs> I can't carry this podcast on my, on my own. You know that. Well, All right, you guys have a great week. And as always, Connor? It might mean too much. There it is. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next week.